Hey everyone, Zach Dixon here, and welcome to our 46th episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation. Today on the show, we have Lauren Hearthstone. Lauren is a creative director at Sibling Rivalry and has spent time at a number of incredible studios, including Loyal Casper, Imaginary Forces, and Gretel, just to name a few. Today on the show, we'll talk about bringing together multiple disciplines to make great creative work. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about how to fight burnout, and we'll talk a little bit about what it was like working on the opening titles for the Pacific. I'm excited to get into all of this and more on this week's episode of Animalators. Well, Lauren, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited to get into your incredible career. I mean, you've you've been all over the place at tons of incredible studios. But tell us a little bit about where you are right now. I just I understand that you kind of just signed on with Sibling Rivalry. I have been um, freelancing at Sibling Rivalry for the past year, and I just signed on this past month as a staff creative director. Yeah, that's incredible. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, the studio? So the um, company is about 20 people staff, and it can expand up to, let's say, 40 with freelancers. There are three partners, Mekon, Van Gastel, Joe Wright, and Maggie Mead. And what I love about it is that it, we do a pretty big range of work. Um, it's a mix of uh, you know, branding and broadcasts and commercial and experiential. Wow. So do you do you work on projects across all, all three of those kind of, I mean, wildly different um, types of work? I do. Yeah. And I have, I kind of have a background in doing kind of several of those things. So um, this company in particular allows me to kind of explore the different categories. And yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Arriving at a place at where you're able to do kind of all, all of those different types of work, I mean, you, you can see, I mean, talking a little bit before or before we started, you know, getting the kind of overview of your career, you can kind of see where that, that came from. Um, so let's let's jump back in time. Like when, at what point did you kind of realize that um, you wanted to pursue the creative arts professionally? Let's see, a re- uh, pretty early on. Um, when I went to school, I knew that I wanted to work, um, that I wanted to be doing um, design in some capacity. So I, I majored in visual communications. I was also interested in, in writing. So I uh, was double majoring in English lit. Um, and yeah, so it was pretty early on. That's interesting, right? Majoring in writing. I have, like, as a creative director at, at a studio, I'm like amazed at how much actual writing there is, like, in the process of this. You just think you're going to be animating all day, but. But no, you have to communicate with people. Is that like, is that education coming back to to be helpful to you these days? Oh yes, I mean completely. Um, every presentation, you know, every PDF that I'm making, and also every presentation I'm giving in person, you know, is so much of it of it is how I'm selling how I'm selling it, and you know how I'm talking about it, and what the concept is, and explaining that to people. And I have found that writing. Um, is it's just it's hugely beneficial um so i think it's definitely helped me and i've actually it's so funny you said um you know you jump in and you think you're going to be animating i've actually feel like an imposter here on this podcast because i actually have no idea how to animate <laughs> no <laughs> so but that's never happened for me but. that's perfect and wonderful though because i mean you the way that you direct your pieces are so clearly design driven and they they kind of have that like almost animated feel in the way that they're they're I guess curated but you've also worked at studios like Imaginary Forces and and Gretel and Loyal Casper so you've been around animators kind of your whole career 
The entire time. Yes. So I have a great understanding of it. I just don't do it personally. That's awesome. So you you studied graphic design. Were you kind of thinking at school, like, I'm going to go out and, and just, like, what, what was kind of your thought of, like, what were you planning on doing with your career coming out of school? I was planning on print design. I was thinking of doing, I honestly was thinking of, like, maybe children's books or something that was a mix of design and writing. Or um, I wasn't sure, but I knew I wanted to be, you know, uh, combining that somehow and then when I was interning at VH1's print department, you know, VH1 um, was pretty small. And so everything was on one floor. So I was working in the print department on the, on the off air. And then I, you know, I walked across the hall and I, and I met a bunch of the people in on air and I saw what they were doing. And that was my junior year of college. And I, I literally was like, okay, this is definitely what I want to be doing. So when I went back, um, I kind of had a different game plan. Yeah. So like what kind of steps did you take to shift your career at that point? I basically developed this relationship with people at VH1 who were super kind. They sent me a copy of After Effects. I, that is probably the only time I used it, but I got a sense of what it was. And I realized just how interesting it was to have the element of time and audio. I mean, that changed everything for me. So um, I told my teachers and, you know, some were more supportive than others, but I mean, they didn't teach that at my school. Right. So I decided that I wanted to do my senior thesis, uh, by creating a, um, a title sequence for a potential movie for a a book basically. And then, and doing all the print collateral with it. And yeah, so I just, I just went from there. That's an interesting. So like some were more supportive than others. I mean, that's almost an interesting thing because I feel like sometimes other people have an idea of like where they think they see our skills, they see the work that we've done and, and they kind of get their own idea about like what kind of box that we should fit in. I don't know. Was that, was that tough at all? Yeah. I think that at Wash U uh, where I went to school, I think it was great because it was a very traditional print um, background. and, And I really think that that has helped me immensely. But um, it was definitely geared towards working at something like Pentagram or, or even like IDEO, um, just because WashU is a very academic and uh, it's a very academic school. And so I think that certainly there was a part of me that um, thought about going in that direction. But um, I don't know. I just was really interested in motion. And now, of course, everything's come full circle because it's really it's not really that you focus on one thing anymore, you know, a brand you know, exists in so many different ways and it feels like it's less separated more and more. Um, so it's kind of funny that way, but, um, at that moment in time, the idea of doing motion, um, you know, my teachers just didn't really know about it. And, um, so it was really on me to figure it out. So you said something there that I think is interesting. I mean, brands do everything right now. Right. And so like, I don't know. And, and the more I talk to like other, other creative people, like, do you think that because brands do everything, is that hurting specialization? Because you as a creative director, you have to, you know, come to a brand and be able to do motion design, you know, photography, um, live action, all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think there are some places and some people that do it better than others. But I think that certainly to get a holistic perspective on a brand, it's really great to be able to to do all of it, to have an understanding of print and have an understanding of motion. And you can bring in specialists too, you know, but I think that I don't think it's hurting it. I mean, I think it's great that to be able to approach a brand from all different angles. Yeah. And, and you've worked at some studios that definitely, definitely do that. I mean, Gretel definitely 
like stands out in my mind in that regard. Um, just really, I don't know. Do you, do you see a lot of studios moving to a place where those lines are kind of blended? It's not just like we just do animation. Yes, I think that that is where people are moving. You know, clients also don't want to have to go to a bunch of different shops. You know, where back in the day, you'd even separate everything out for a commercial. You'd go to an edit house, and you'd go to a color place, and you'd go to a live action director, and you'd go to an, a you know special effects person, whatever. Like you would separate everything out, and that's really complicated and it's really expensive. And I think more and more people want to do everything at one place. And yes, that definitely has its faults. Certainly, there are some. Sometimes we feel like maybe you need a specialist in something, but I do think that for someone like me who likes to do a lot of different things, it's, it's great. So like with that, uh, you know, liking to do a lot of things, I really like relate to that. I feel like I can be a bit scatterbrained personally. Do you feel like that has been a, a hindrance to you in, in any way? Yeah. Just to kind of talk about pros and cons there. Yeah. Yeah. There are definitely pros and cons for me. It allows me to be able to bounce around to different jobs um, kind of easily or I don't know if anything's ever easy, but, you know, like it's um, I can bounce around to different projects and feel comfortable doing that. But certainly there are times there are moments where I'm like, oh, I wish I was a specialist in this so I could get this job because, you know, like I've certainly lost a job to someone like PSYOP because who does it better than PSYOP or, you know, like there's just there's different things that um, I'll probably never get or a live action job where, you know, I don't have enough food on my reel or something like that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you know, those things are always going to happen. Um, and unless I were to really dive in and specialize in one thing, they're going to continue to happen. Um, and I'm okay not doing that. You know, I'm okay staying open um, in terms of style and in terms of platform Um you know, because especially because every brand is different. Right. So and I don't want to just make one kind of style, whether it's narrative based or whether it's a whole brand job. I like I like to create different feelings, and different emotions. You know, do you find that that makes it difficult to brand yourself? <laughs> a little bit, probably. <laughs> um, you, know, you look at my website and it's like, what does this girl do? Right. There's it's like all over the place. So. Yeah, I, I'm sure if I were to brand myself, that would be tricky. But luckily, I don't have to do that. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, let's jump back. So you were at at VH1, um, you know, coming out of school, thinking like, you know, I'm not not going to do just just print design. What was next for you? Right. So I went to uh, MTV and I worked there for about six months in their on air department, and it was good. Um, it wasn't what I wanted because again, it was very it was obviously it was focused on one brand and I'm going to sound kind of crazy because it seems like I'm all over the place really, but I didn't want to just be on one, one brand necessarily. So um, that was when I moved over to Stardust and, you know, at the time that was really exciting. They were just, they were just starting out. There was literally one producer in the New York office and they needed, you know, some, someone creative in there. And, um, they did a ton of commercial work, and this was at a time when commercials were kind of everything. So, so tiny office in New York. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, like, did it did it grow quickly? Because I mean, how how big was Stardust at that point? Um, I don't remember how big they were at the time. They had a a big LA office. I remember that. You know, it was substantial. Brandy School and Stardust were kind of the big companies at that time. 
So Stardust wanted to start a New York office and they hired me, you know, as like a junior designer essentially, but I had to act as an art director because there was no one else there and I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, it was a completely like thrown in the fire situation working till 4am, you know, starting boards over in the middle of the night. Like, and I was literally learning like everything on the job because as I said, like I, I studied print and when I say print, I mean, I literally, I was designing in cork. So Quark and Illustrator, I didn't even really know Photoshop because I, I was setting type and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was really, really learning on the job, uh, kind of forced to very quickly. So you, junior designer, right? And but you're also kind of doing the work of an art director. So talk a little bit about that kind of like early career kind of like fear of, of starting out. And I, mean, I imagine that had to have been a very like intense, frightening time. It definitely was. Yeah, it was it was a little intimidating. And, um, you know, I was meeting with clients and not that I knew anything about that at that time, you know. So it was interesting. I think that it was a good experience. Like looking back, I think it was a good experience because it forced me to learn very fast. But I also wasn't learning from people around me. And that was a huge problem. Like I needed, you know, I needed senior designers to learn from and art directors and creative directors. And I didn't have that. And as as much as it was great for me to learn to kind of do it myself quickly, um, I recognize the need um, to learn from other people. And that's something that has been important to me my entire career. So at that moment, I moved over to Little Casper. Um, that was like after a year and a half, I think, of being there. And I think that was a really good move for me. Oh, wow. So that, that I mean, that's pretty great, though, that you were able to kind of recognize that in the moment of just like, you know, other people is how I'm going to like progress in, in my skills. Were you, were you finding that you were like kind of hitting, hitting walls that you weren't able to overcome? Yeah. I was feeling like I needed some, I needed to like ask someone a lot of questions. And, you know, of course there was, um, I chat, um, or whatever form of it, it was then. And I was, I remember chatting with people in the LA office and they were very helpful and that was great. And someone would come out every once in a while, but it, you know, I knew it, it at that time, it just wasn't enough. I needed, I needed, you know, more of a mentor. Yeah. So you switched over to the loyal Casper and that was, was that in the New York office? Yes. And there was no LA office and it was very small. I mean, there were like five of us maybe at the time. Oh, wow. So super early on. So yeah. What, what was that like? What was early days of, of loyal Casper like? Oh, it was great. Um, I worked with Bayon and David and they um, were just, you know, they were just starting out and um, it was a super creative shop. And I was just, I had worked on commercial work. So this was me starting to learn about branding a little bit and um, they were great to learn from. And it was a really, you know, at that time for me, it was a very nurturing environment. Bayot taught me a lot and it, um, it was a really good experience. It was a few years ago, but can you remember back to that time at all of, of maybe some specific things that like you learned there that really kind of took you from that kind of uh, junior designer place and, and kind of pushed you a little further? Yeah, um, I think that was when I really started to understand how to storyboard, which, you know, I was doing it at Stardust a little bit, but I, I mean, oh, I was doing it, but I don't think I had... Um, I didn't have anyone really teach me it. So I, I was, I was just kind of faking it for sure. But, but at Loyal Casper, I feel like I learned from Bayat how to make a storyboard and, you know, just think about it conceptually, but also think about it creatively and stylistically. And yeah, that was really my jumping off 
point for understanding how to, you know, approach a pitch, let's say. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's something I'd love to get into too. I mean, I, did you spend a lot of time these days, like making storyboards? I imagine as a director, like pre-production is a big part of your job. Yeah, I am always designing storyboards. Like, um, and when I say storyboards, I mean, it's a mix of storyboards and style frames, um, and, and writing out the concept, you know, um, whatever it takes to communicate the idea really. Yeah. So could you dive into that a little bit more? I mean, things that you've learned at, at Loyal Casper when you, you're kind of first learning how to style frame and storyboards, but even throughout the rest of your career, how do you approach that kind of early part of the process? For me, the first thing I do is, let's say I get a brief and I start by doing some research. And certainly it, it can depend on what the kind of job is, but I start by doing research on the brand or on, yeah, I'd say the brand. And then I start looking at references and I think everyone does that and you start pulling things and thinking about oh you know should it be in this world or could it be in that world and thinking about it you know you, there's kind of two points of focus you're thinking about it conceptually and then you're thinking about it stylistically and just what the visual language is um, so and then once I, I kind of have narrowed in on an idea then I start making some frames and um, kind of going from there. It, it really does depend um, on if it's like a commercial or if it's a brand job, you know, a brand job, I'm going to live way uh, longer in, you know, the strategy and concept part of it than I am for a commercial job that might already have, you know, the seed of some idea there. So it can depend. Um, and at Loyal Casper, I was doing, um, at that time, I was doing a lot of network stuff. And then, you know, that really changed for me because then I went to Imaginary Forces and, uh, well, I did some network work, but I also did a lot of film work and a lot of commercial work. So like in that, I don't know, conceptual, like stylizing, you know, setting the style phase, is that, is that kind of in your career, has that been a more of like individual process or has it been more of kind of a team process? Um, it can be a mix. Um, I don't really like to work in a void. I never have. Um, I like to talk it out with people. So typically what I'll do is uh, jot down a bunch of ideas and pull some reference frames and pull some style things. And then I'll just go talk to people, <laughs> whoever's working on it or someone that's just sitting next to me. And I'll be like, what do you think about this? And um, I find that it's really great to bounce ideas off of people. Um, I just like having conversations about it. I mean, what we do is a creative collaborative process. So to kind of live by yourself with something for too long, I, I just don't ever think that's a great idea. Um, but that's just how I work. No, totally. Do you find that you're like kind of quick on your feet in that way? Or do you find that maybe it's better to kind of come up with those early ideas in, in kind of isolation, like kind of your own space? Usually I do some early stuff by myself first, right? Um, like have like, here are like three ideas that I'm thinking about. And then maybe that's great. And then I just give them to people and people at this, you know, at, right now as a creative director, what I'll do is I'll have like a, you know, a handful of ideas and kind of assign them to different people or, or then start pulling references and, and people will start going from there. But we have conversations about it early on. So someone might say, oh, I think that's a cool idea, but what if we take it and do something else with it? Or what if um, instead of this, it's that? And, you know, I'm always open to that. So it really kind of, it just kind of depends on the team and um, what the project is. But So, I mean, you mentioned pulling references. Is, do you have any kind of go-to uh, resources for, for that type of thing? It's a good question. Um I, you know, I use Pinterest just like everyone else does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of live there. I keep all of my boards secret 
I don't know why. But I was like, I want to go follow you because that would be amazing. I know. And there are people that have many boards out there and I just, I I always keep it secret. Um, I don't like people seeing my references (laughs) that I'm not working with, right? Yeah, that's fair. You know, you get into something and you're like, oh, let's bring this back. I don't want someone to see that. I want to bring that back, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So I use Pinterest, you know, films, um, books, uh, artwork, you know, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. And I think that you kind of have to be to stay somewhat relevant to, you know, to just kind of be willing to, to kind of keep your eyes open for, for different references. All right. So you were at Loyal Casper for a while. And then what kind of made you make the jump to Imaginary Forces? I had always uh, wanted to work at Imaginary Forces. Um as I'm sure a lot of people have felt that way. Um, yeah, I mean, you did a you did a title sequence for your kind of final project at school, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it's just one of those places. I was like, all right, I really I want to work there. And I um, had a mutual friend. Um, so I think you know, actually, a friend from Stardust was friends with someone, Michelle Doherty, who is still at IF. And I sent my portfolio through him to her and um, and then she sent it over to the New York office and they called me right away and I, I took the job, you know, it was very fast. I like went in for an interview and then, and then just went there. Um, I was really excited about the idea of doing more narrative work and title sequences and, you know, having spent a few years doing mostly broadcast and branding, I liked it, but I was really, um, I wanted to try out some other stuff. So yeah, and it was very different from both Loyal Casper and Stardust. So it was a really um, amazing experience for me. Did it live up to that experience? Because I mean, come on, they've they've done some of like the most iconic title sequences that we've ever seen. Yeah, I got to tell you, it did. It was a great experience. I I loved um, I loved working there. I worked with Karen Fong and Steve Fuller and Mark Gardner and Michelle Doherty and Brian Ma. I mean, there were just like, like this amazingly talented group of people there. And, um, I don't know, I, I learned so much from them and I still do. I'm still in touch with all these people. And, um, you know, I think that I felt for me like imaginary forces was a kind of a, a big moment in my career where I was like, wow, this is, I just really want to be doing this. I'm like, I was just very happy, you know, doing that. It was great. What were kind of some of the most fun projects that you worked on at your time at IF? Um, when I, I worked on the Pacific, um, oh, nice. with, That's right. yeah, with Steve Fuller. And that was, I don't know if that was my first title. Secret. No, it couldn't have been, but it was a big one and it was super um, exciting for me to work on. I, it was executive produced by Spielberg and Tom Hanks and, wow. you know, I, love Tom Hanks. I was really excited <laughs> about this. Um, and it was, uh, creatively a great project to work on. And it was, you know, Steve and I just spent a lot of time working on it. It went on for probably way longer than it should have. Um, <laughs> how long is that? You know, I feel like it was like at least a year. It what? was a really long project. Um, and I should really look that up, but it was a very long time. What, um, what made it take so long? There were a lot of changes and, you know, when you work on a, on a title, like the creators, this is like everything to them. And, you know, it's, it's a really important process. Um, and there are a lot of creative changes back and forth and, um, it, it took a long time, but, and, and the title sequence itself was quite long actually, but it was a really, um, it was a really great job. So that, that would definitely stood out for me. Um, and then I also worked on a network job, called Dusk. And it was, it's funny, it was a Canadian um, 
brand, um, like a mystery channel. And it was pretty important for me at Imaginary Forces because I pitched a live action idea. I had never shot anything before. Um, and it won and it was super exciting for me. And I, I got to co-direct it with Mark Gardner. You know, I, I had made all these vignettes of like, I don't know, there was like a, a forest and there was this spiral staircase and there was like all kinds of it was this mystery networks. So there was all these kinds of kind of creepy, weird scenes. And Mark was like, yeah, Lauren, like we can't afford to go to a forest and then build a spiral staircase that looks like this. And we can't do any of that stuff. He's like, but what if we did miniatures? And it was such a great idea because, you know, everything kind of needed to have a kind of weirdness to it. Anyhow, it was, it was um, all about creating a tension in this mood and a tone. And so shooting miniatures ended up being, I think what made it really good. It was that first moment for me of being like, here's a frame. I want it to look like this. And then I went and shot it and I was like, Oh, this is a, this is a, a really magical experience to be able to kind of recreate something like that. Yeah. So who was, who's creating all the miniatures? Did you get to like help in the like creation of those or did you work with a, like a big team? Oh, this guy, his name's Yuji. I forget what his company is called, but he was incredible. We went to his studio in Brooklyn and I just, you know, I showed him all these references and, you know, he was, uh, we worked back and forth on it and it was my first time working with miniatures and it was, it was super cool. Yeah. So talk about pitching something that you've never done before, because that's, very bold. Like, and, and like, I have to imagine you won it and you were like, Oh no, now we got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, to be honest, I was interested in shooting. I didn't know much about it. Um, I, at that moment was I was just doing what was best for the job. Right. Like I was like, I really want to create this kind of moody feel. And I don't know, I, I pulled all this photography, all these references. And I, you know, at the, I got to say at the time I was pretty naive. I wasn't thinking about like what happens next. I was thinking about what I wanted to do for whatever reason, no producer stopped me. And I just kind of did that. I think now I'm so much more aware, right? I know what the budget is and I'm thinking about it um, from a completely different lens. But at that time I, I really didn't know any better. I was just doing what I thought would be cool. That's interesting. So do you think that your new perspective is is helpful, like, or or could it possibly shy you away from my, some ideas that you maybe might not think about because you're you're you know you're mindful of the bigger picture now from the budget standpoint? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I actually had this experience yesterday. Um, even when you're not pitching, you typically present you know a handful of directions to just figure out where the client wants to be. And one of the directions is CG and it's, um, it's going to take way more time and um, more money. And we, I just sat with the 3D guys and we were like, how can we make this work? And um, we were this close to being like, all right, I guess we just don't present this idea. And then, you know, we came across another angle on it that would allow us to do it. And I'm, I, after that, I was just like, wow, I'm really glad that we kind of talked that through and figured something out because it would have been a shame to just lose this idea just because, you know, budgetarily it doesn't make sense. And so sometimes you just need to talk it out with people and figure out another another angle on it. So you mentioned something that, that I personally struggle with is, is presenting a, a handful of directions, right? Like you, you're given a brief and then you're tasked often with with presenting, you know, a few different options. Um, and I, I find that to be very difficult. So could you talk about that maybe a little bit? 
It kind of depends on what the project is. If it's a brand job, I am definitely less likely to present like a ton of options, right? Like, because there's so much more strategy and there's just so much more involved in that. So let's say for a brand job, I might show three directions. Okay. Um, Honestly, at Gretel, we had times where we only showed one. Yeah. So um, it, it really kind of depends. But for a job, like the, the job I was working on yesterday was like a teaser promo and something like that. You can come up with a bunch of directions, right? I mean, it's like I, we had like uh, six in there, you know, and um, because it's not as like, I don't know, it's not a strategy focus. It's not, it's not hugely conceptual. We can come up with like six basic concepts and styles. And I don't think we like fleshed any of them out concretely, but enough for someone to say, oh, I'm interested in that or I'm interested in this, you know, and I'd rather do that and get, you know, a sense of where they want to be than feel like we haven't even hit the world that they want to live in. Now, is this something that you're pitching on or is this a job that you've, you've already been kind of awarded? We've already been awarded it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's that helps too because sometimes I'm like, man, like if we're pitching against other people, like I want this one idea to like really shine, like, you know, bring it to the, the biggest level that we can. But then it's like... I'm always wondering, like, are other people like coming with like five ideas and we're only coming with one? Like, how do they have time for that? Like, these are all the the things that are running through my mind, especially when we're like pitching on stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think we all think about that. Like, what are other companies doing? Like, are they going to, you know, and you also want to think about what you want to do for yourself and as a company. So like, I don't want to present something that at sibling that we don't want to create, you know, it's not, it doesn't make any sense. So, um, you don't want to pitch something just for the sake of pitching it because they might like it. You know, you want to do something that, that you're going to be proud of. Um, so I think that that's really important. And if you feel strongly that you have two ideas and these are the directions they should go in, I, I also, I've done that before. I mean, when I was at Gretel, we pitched, when we pitched Centric, that was a pitch and we pitched one idea and that was pretty ballsy, but they, you know, they bought onto it and then we did it. So it does happen. Um, but I, I don't think that I'm this, I do it the same for every job, you know? Hmm. So we just paused for a second and I mentioned, I mentioned Slack, um, because I just got blown up by some of my teammates. So do you guys use Slack at sibling rivalry? Yep. We use it at sibling. I use it at Gretel. It's, um, it seems to be what people use now to communicate. (laughs) How do you feel about that? I think it's good. Um, I think it's really helpful because you can have channels for different jobs. So, it's a more organized way to talk with people. And I feel like my emails used to be flooded and now they're not. And I can just check the Slack channel. Um, the downside to me is that I feel like I have so many places with um, notes and references. So it's hard to have like another place, right? Cause I have Pinterest and I have my own and I have the server and I have um, you know, there's just like, I have Evernote. I mean, I have so many weird things. It's amazing because all these different apps come out. Uh, Google Drive. There's just there's just so much, um, and it can be a little bit ridiculous at times. Oh, definitely. Like, how do you manage it all? I don't. You I don't. I've tried to stop thinking about it. <laughs> Makes me crazy. Uh, it's so funny. I still have a hard drive that has like folders of references from like I don't know forever. And I think what I did was. I have this hard drive of all of my references that I used from literally MTV all the way through Imaginary Forces. And then um, starting at Gretel, I started using Pinterest. And so I basically, I spend most of my time either 
on my Pinterest folders or on this hard drive. Um, and that's, and I decided that I can't put anything anyplace else. So my Slack, it has references on it, but they exist in other places. They have to, you know, I, I put them up for people to look at, but I don't just have them there. Yeah. That's fascinating. So do you, do you often go back and look at references from however many, like 10 years ago or something? Totally. Yeah. I look at things from today and I look at things from 10 years ago because you never know when something is going to make sense. That's incredible. I really want to do that now. Yeah. Some of it's weird. Sometimes you'll look back and you'll be like, why on earth did I pull this? <laughs> this is so bad. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, you're like, oh, this is like a sculpture from, I don't know, some guy and it's awesome. And, and you know, it seems it's very relevant now and I've actually never used it. So, you know, yeah. you never know. I guess Pinterest is kind of like that. Like I'll, I'll look at things I've pinned, like I guess how Pinterest hasn't been around for that long, five years ago or something. And I'm just like, what was I thinking back then? But yeah, but yeah. it doesn't even matter because Pinterest has pins from 10 years ago. That's you know, it's true. just, yeah. it's like half of the stuff on there is on my drive. Actually. It's funny. It's just, it's just cycling the internet. Now it's just, it's really just that it's easier for people to access all the same stuff. Totally. So something I, I did I did want to talk about. I mean, you, you've been on on staff at, at all of these these incredible places. I, I do want to talk about Gretel as well. So let's actually go, go there first. So you also spent some time at, at Gretel before you ended up at Sibling Rivalry, and I I I, I love Gretel. We we've had Ryan on the show, which was was incredible. Everybody should should go listen to that at some point. But yeah, could you just talk about your time there and maybe talk about some of the things that you learned um, working there? Yeah. Um, Gretel, I think, was a very significant move for me. Um, I, th I think I said this. I think it's really important to kind of keep learning and challenging yourself. So that's part of why I've kept moving, um, you know, as a, as a staff creative. Um, you learn as a freelancer, but it's in a very different way. And I, and I really do like to have some ownership. So when I'm feeling antsy, <laughs> which seems to be around the five or four year mark, I'm like, okay, what's next? Right. And um, I felt that. Um, and so it's funny, both with IF and with Gretel, I didn't like, and with sibling actually, I didn't like interview with a lot of companies. I kind of figured out where I wanted to be. So uh, I knew I wanted to be at IF. So I contacted them and went there and I felt the same way about Gretel. I reached out to Greg and I was like, I love the work that you're doing. Do you have any openings? And he was like, we do. And so I went over there and um, I learned pretty much like everything I know about branding there. You know, they are really smart. Um, you know, Ryan and Greg, I learned a lot from them just in terms of how to approach a brand job. And yeah, it was a, it was a really good experience for me. So, I mean, I, I know it's it's impossible to condense, you know, four years of, of learning from the great people at, at Gretel down into a, a podcast soundbite. But, but if you could maybe just talk a little bit about some of the things that you learned about branding while you were there. You know, they had they had a really kind of specific process about it. So, I mean, I'm sure they still do, and I don't want to spill it, but um, <laughs> I know I know that they talk about how they work. So, yeah. let's see. A job comes in, and we would spend a lot of time really um, immersing ourselves in that brand. You know, doing all of the research about it, sitting in a room talking about it. I think that the thought was that if we could spend all of this time really living in it and breathing it, that when it came time to design, it would be easy because we would, we wouldn't have to think about it. We would just do it. Right. And I, and I do think that there is a lot of truth in that. Um, and it could get frustrating sometimes because <laughs> we're like sitting in a room for hours talking about 
something. But I do think uh, the payoff is real. So it's almost delaying that the actual like act of, of creating a little bit. Oh, for sure. It was, you know, kind of researching, talking about, um, you know, kind of trying to figure out the ethos of the brand, boiling it down into if we could say one statement about this brand, what would it be? Um, and I think that trying to boil it down um, was a huge was a huge thing I learned there. Um, you know, just being able to kind of crystallize uh, what the concept was. You know, a lot of times people try to you know use a technique as a concept, right? And sometimes that works, but usually, you know, you know, stripes aren't a concept, right? So it's figuring out. Uh, what the really core idea is. And then from there, it was figuring out what the visual language is. Once we'd done the research, once we had looked at references, once we had boiled it down, we could start to think about um, really what the, what the visual language would be and looking at more visual uh, references and then start designing. So that the designing honestly came very much at the end of the process. I tend to start making things early on um, and that's not to say that it's going to end up in there, but I, as I'm thinking about it, I, I will make things. Um, and that's just how I am. I think figuring out like how to boil something down. I think the sentiment of really living in a brand and immersing yourself in it. I think all of those things are very important. So I'd like to transition a, a bit to talk a little bit about, about burnout. I mean, I, I, I know that this is kind of something that we all struggle with as people who um, are, are passionate about what we do and, and we, you know, pour ourselves into our work. Is this something that you've ever come across? And, and if so, how, how have you been able to overcome it? Yes, um, for sure. I think we've all come across it. Um, I know I spoke a lot about wanting to do different things. That is in part a reaction to that. Um, I did a lot of branding at Gretel and it's funny, I'm still, I still do a lot of branding here, but I feel the need to have jobs in between that aren't just brand jobs, right? Like I love narrative based work. I love storytelling. And I found that let's say in the last year at Gretel, I didn't do any of that and I needed to, to move on and to, to get back to some of that. I think anytime you're living in one thing for too long, for me, I just feel like I start to burn out on it. So yes, you can burn out on working in general, but I think it's also easy just to burn out on working in one specific way or on one kind of job. And so that's part of why I like to be very uh, varied with what I do. So like, does this come through personal projects or are you just try and kind of push your, your professional projects in, in a direction that will give you a fresh angle? It's not personal. I do not have any time for, I have two children. There's no, there are no personal projects happening for me. But when you're staff at a company, you have the ability to be like, I want to work on this kind of job or whatever. And different projects come in and you, you, you know, make it known what you're interested in. And um, usually as a staff creative director, um, the owners will help you figure out how to do what you want to do. And so I've been able to move around a little bit. And it's also part of why I've changed companies you know, every four or five years, because I think it's helped me do that. And I think, you know, the other thing is having a work-life balance, which, you know, it's one of those things, I don't know if you should talk about it or not, but I can't do what I used to do, right? Like I can't work till four in the morning just because, and like, that's the quickest way to burn out, by the way, like just those hours can be hard. And when you're younger starting off, I think that, you know, it was actually kind of fun and I, and I did it and I, I don't regret it one bit. I think that that's why I am where I am right now. 
but I can't do that anymore. I have a family, you know, I have two kids and a husband and, you know, they need me. And so I work more efficiently and um, I make decisions faster. You know, I just work in a very different way than I used to. And so when I'm burned out on my job and I come home and, you know, I have two little kids there, I'm not thinking about work anymore. I'm, you know, I'm in another place. And I think having that balance has actually helped me um, become a better creative yeah, because the the fear is 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 once I'm like going through this right now. We have we have a little um, wonderful little girl, six weeks old now, and the and the fear is, you know, like oh, I, I'm losing this time. Like, am I not going to be able to perform as well? Like, is this going to make me like worse in some way? It kind of sounds silly when you say it out loud, but w- was there ever that those thoughts? I like didn't even want. I was terrified of having children because of work. It was on my mind. I was very. Um, resistant to the idea of it. Um, and not because I don't love kids, but I was very, uh, like, how is this going to affect my career? The hours of this industry, you know, there's not a lot of women creatives. It's going to, it's going to affect everything. You know, pitches are really fast. How am I going to do this? And I think that I just have a different perspective now. Like I, I, you know, if a pitch comes in and it's due tomorrow, I probably can't do it, but that's okay. And you know what? I think that that's a ridiculous request anyhow, you know, like, um, I just have a different mentality um, about it. And I, I don't think that I'm, you know, I don't know, maybe I'd be getting more live action jobs right now if I had um, more time to pitch on or do spec work. Um, but my priorities are a little bit different right now. So I, I'm happy to be able to do a mix of work and see my children. And, you know, I think that's okay. Yeah, no, for sure. That's awesome. Okay, so so looking back on you know these these all these different studios, these different perspectives, um, how are those kind of all of those different different approaches uh, affecting what you do now? It's so funny, you know. I think about um, I think about how Greg would approach it and how Karen Fong might approach it, and when you work with people for that long, you like you just kind of like absorb the way that they work and approach things. And I think that is amazing. Like I, I love learning from different people. And right now I get to learn from Mekon and Joe and they're incredible. You know, um, they have completely different approaches. Um, and so I try to kind of pull all these different um, mindsets. Um, and, I, and I think it helps me, you know, like for different types of jobs and, um, you know, different types of styles, um, I think having having learned from all these people, it's really important for me. So, so where are you looking right now? Like, where are you headed? Because I mean, it seems like every time you, you you're switching up your staff positions, I don't know. You're looking for something new. So, like, what is what is that for you right now? So, I came to sibling because I missed doing um, narrative work. Right? Um, I at Gretel, I was doing um, towards the end. I was doing almost 100% brand, and I was like, man, I really miss doing. I miss telling stories. I miss, you know, making someone feel something and really kind of get into more emotional storytelling. And then I, I came to Sibling and I started doing um, a couple sequences or like I did a, a promo um, shoot and then I also did a uh, title sequence. And then I've also done brand jobs and I have found myself still, I'm like, well, I still like branding. I still love doing this. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I know that I want to um, kind of use this as a f- platform to get more live action work for sure. Um, 
and to try to get um, do some more emotional storytelling. But I'm also trying to find ways where I can do storytelling within branding. And it does seem like more and more people are looking for a really holistic perspective. For instance, when we were branding Bravo, I got to come up with a bunch of ideas for a live action you know, teaser to launch a show. And that's really exciting to me to be able to think about something from a brand perspective and a storytelling perspective, because um, it does feel like more and more things are kind of getting merged. So yeah, I feel like I'm at Sibling, I'm really getting to do a little bit of everything and I'm having the benefit of learning from the amazing team here and um, from Joe and Mikan, who are incredible storytellers, um, just incredible. And uh, Joe also has a background in branding. Personally, I'm, I'm very excited to see what you do next. I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting for um, those projects um, and, and kind of your future at Sibling Rivalry. I'm excited. Thank you. So we try to end each episode with the same few questions. Uh, so the first is, who is your dream client? You know, I think um, to me, Nike has always been a client that I've wanted to work with and I have not had the opportunity um, because they are a great brand, you know, sports and lifestyle. But I've also feel like visually they are in so many different places and I love that. Um, but you know, it's Nike because it's great, you know, and it, I've, so I've always wanted to, to do work for Nike yeah. in some capacity. All right. Next question, your favorite animated film. I don't have a favorite animated film. Do you really have to end at each one with these questions? <laughs> you don't have to have an animated film. The their favorite. It's, it's a, it is a tough question. I don't know any any recents that you've seen that you've loved. No, Nothing. no, I haven't seen anything recently. I have done very little recently. I have been a little, uh, I would say, overwhelmed by work and children. So my extra time of watching anything. I mean. And granted, uh, she can watch animated films, but she refuses to watch anything other than Frozen. So oh, no. okay. I don't, I can't like, I can't answer this question appropriately. <laughs> I haven't seen a movie in many years. So let's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Can move, I, can, is it, it possible that, I mean, this is, this is problematic because you're an, ending every podcast with this. So what happens? I think that is a very um, fair and realistic answer. I am. I am Ugh, I, it's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. No, I'm. Well, I'm realizing with with a with a kid, like we're never going to the movies again. Like, like what? You're never going yeah. to the movies again. <laughs> you're never going to the movies again because if you do, first of all, you're getting a sitter, and then you get a sitter, and you're like, should we talk to each other? Yeah, should right? we go get exactly. dinner? Yeah. Because maybe we should have a conversation that's not interrupted. <laughs> right. So that's where I am in my life right now, and it's just you know. And it's totally great. It's it's a it's a wonderful trade off. It is, but at least I think so. But yeah, just gotta, you know, I rent stuff on iTunes now late at night. Um, yeah, but like, do you finish anything, right? Um, you know, you watch like five minutes of it and then you're asleep because you started <laughs> it so late, you know? Yeah. No, but really, par parent life is great, though, I promise everybody. Uh, <laughs> well, I only have one kid, so I, I, what do I know? I don't know anything. Um, all right, next question. What do the people you love think that you do? So what, what, do, your, what do your little ones think that you do all day? Oh, gosh. What do they think I do? I think they think I color <laughs> nice. um, because that's the best way that I can, exp you know, that's creativity to them. So are they, are they really into coloring right now? Yes. Yes. Uh, the older one, um, Eliza, she's four and she, yeah, or almost four and she's always uh, drawing and coloring. And um, so I think she, she thinks that I've, I've tried to explain it in that way. I think she thinks <laughs> I color. Yeah. What a great job. Just color. Yeah. <laughs> Just color. 
Well, sweet. Well, that does it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Animalators is created by the team at IV, recorded in the Weld Nashville studio, and produced by Chad Michael Snavely. To learn more, visit weld.co and chadmichael.com. To keep up with the work we're doing at IV, visit iv.studio or follow us on Twitter at Identity Visuals. You can also follow Animalators on Twitter at Animalators to keep up with all of the new episodes. And be sure to check out animalators.com to see every animation from all of our guests. To find out more about Lauren and her work, you can head to lheartstone.com or check out the work of Sibling Rivalry at siblingrivalrystudio.com. Our theme music is composed by Cody Fry. You can check out more of his music at codyfry.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and tell your friends. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and that helps more people find this show. As we continue to grow the show, we are now looking for potential partners who might be interested in sponsoring the show. If you have any interest in advertising on Animalators, please reach out and send an email to alyssa at identityvisuals.com. That's A-L-Y-S-S-A at identityvisuals.com. Well, that's it for today's episode. Be sure and join us next time for another episode of Animalators. Curious conversations from the world of animation. 